Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Thursday, December 21st, day 76 of the war with Hamas. Amanda Borchel down here with our military reporter, Emmanuel Fabian. Hello, Manny. Hi, Amanda. A rocket siren has sounded in Nirim, a community near the Gaza border, and it's the first projectile fired out of Gaza in nearly 40 hours. Manny is just back from another trip into Gaza, and we'll hear about continued coverage of the tragic idea of accidental shooting of three hostages in Gaza almost a week ago. All this and much, much more when we're back. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. As of this morning, 137 soldiers have fallen during the Gaza ground operations. Manny, I understand that several soldiers are seriously wounded as well. So what can you tell us about the fighting in the Strip over the past several days? The fighting in Gaza has been uh, quite intensive, both in uh, in the north, uh, in the Gaza city area, and also in the south. Um, the reason why the fighting in, in northern Gaza has become uh, more fierce uh, recently is because um, we're talking about the last strongholds of Hamas, um, really the last areas where, where where the terror group's members and fighters remain. Um, the army is really wrapping up most of the uh, most of the ground operation in northern Gaza. They announced this week that uh, Beit Hanun had been completed. Uh, they'd completed operational control there, completed all their operations there. Uh, Jabalia, um, the army said it has completely captured, but is still uh, working to um, to fight off the smaller Hamas cells in the area and locate all of the infrastructure. Uh, Shajaia, uh, which uh, which we saw some uh, very serious uh, fighting there recently, um, that the army has indicated will take a few more days um, before they finish uh, uh, fighting there. And then lastly, uh, last night, uh, IDF spokesman uh, Daniel Hagari announced that the army had moved to fighting in the uh, Daraj and Tufah neighborhoods of, of Gaza City, where there's one Hamas battalion uh, that controls that area. And that would uh, essentially be the last or one of the last Hamas battalions in northern Gaza. Uh, and in the south, um, things are a little bit more vague. Uh, the army is not providing as much information yet. Uh, but we know that they are still advancing in southern Gaza. There's fierce fighting around Khan Yunus still. 
Um, and the head of the Southern Command said that the army would be expanding to new areas where they had not yet maneuvered. Um, and that could mean either um, the central Gaza area, uh, which the army has not yet uh, operated in on the ground. And it could also mean uh, Rafah, uh, the, the southernmost Gaza city, very uh, close to the Egyptian border. Um, so we'll have to see w uh, which areas the IDF will move into next. But eventually the army will operate in, in all areas of Gaza. Southern Gaza is the most populated area right now. Northern Gaza, we understand, is quite barren aside from uh, Hamas operatives. But we were told initially that there would be these pockets of resistance in the second stage of the war. So is the IDF then just assuming that the Hamas operatives will use the tunnels and return to these parts of northern Gaza that have been controlled by the IDF already? We're, we are already seeing uh, that sort of stage um, playing out. I mean, uh, last night, uh, soldiers identified a group of Hamas operatives in Shati. Uh, Shati is an area that the army captured weeks ago. Um, and it, there was basically no uh, incidents in Shati for several weeks. Um, I was there several weeks ago and it, was, it seemed perfectly safe and there was nothing particularly dangerous happening. Um, so we are going to start seeing... Um, areas that the army says it has full control of and then we'll see um, pockets, smaller Hamas cells attempt to carry out attacks um, at the same time the army uh, once it gains control of an area it's going to be working to demolish all the Hamas tunnels uh, all the Hamas infrastructure in the area that is a stage that takes a very long time and um, uh, presuming the army presumes that it's getting most of the tunnels but obviously it, it can miss some and if it's missing some tunnels, then there is a chance that Hamas uh, fighters will pop out of a tunnel and attempt to attack troops in an area where uh, it believes it, it fully controls. So that is obviously a risk, and that's something we'll see um, over a long period of time. It's not something that will be wrapped up in a few months, probably closer to a year or longer. We'll, we, sh we will still see um, small uh, pockets of Hamas fighters in uh, various areas that the army uh, says it fully controls. Now, in the same line of Hamas infrastructure, we reported this week that Ahmed Kahlot, who is the director of Gaza's Kamal Adwan Hospital in Jabalia, he revealed in Shinbet interrogation that his northern Gaza hospital was turned into a military facility under Hamas. He himself was a Hamas lieutenant colonel since 2010, and at least 16 other members of the hospital's staff as well were Hamas operatives also other parts of uh, terrorist organizations had their fingers in this hospital. And he also revealed that a kidnapped soldier had been taken to his hospital following October 7th. What else can you tell us about this? I think it's very a very fascinating um, uh, footage that the that the Shimbet released showing um, Kahlot's interrogation. And like you mentioned, 16 members of the staff what he said were Hamas, both Hamas operatives and uh, members of the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and um, the army said that when it when it operated there um, a week ago, uh, it arrested ninety Hamas operatives uh, who were hiding in the in the hospital area and seized also several weapons, um, and uh, it was quite a complex um, um, operation there because the hospital had many civilians still in it uh, at the time. 
Um, there were several battles in, in an area around, uh, surrounding the hospital as well uh, between soldiers and, and Hamas operatives. Um, and uh, eventually the, the army did clear the, uh, the entire hospital. Uh, all the men eventually uh, surrendered to the army there and they were interrogated by officials at the scene. And then uh, those who were suspected or, or believed to be members of Hamas were, were then taken uh, to Israel for further interrogation. Um, and this is a pattern we've seen across Gaza of Hamas using civilian infrastructure, hospitals, schools, and areas where civilians are sheltering also to carry out um, uh, their their attacks against Israeli soldiers in Gaza. We're going to go to a short break and then hear about the underground terror city in Gaza City. I got married this Monday in the middle of a war. You are not a soldier anymore. You are 50 years old. What is the matter with you? It's like a couple of kilometers from here. Like my friend has a 4x4. Let's just go cut across the fields and go get him. Israel Stories Wartime Diaries. Voices that try to capture slivers of life right now. And he told me, take with you a sleeping bag and a tent <laughs> and just go. I texted him on, like after I was told that he was killed. From their eyes, I was a traitor. Everybody needs their like blankie, their teddy bear, something to make them feel safe. I'm just another grandfather looking after his grandchild while his son is off at war. These children of Hamas now will be the killer of my children. I desperately wanted to talk about sex during my eulogy for Ido. Everyone has to choose to be optimistic because we don't have room for pessimism. Check out Israel's story wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Manny, you were inside the Gaza Strip several times over even just this past week, and most recently in Gaza City. You wrote a piece that we published this morning, and I'm just going to quote from the first paragraph. A central square in Gaza's largest city that until October 7th was a humming center of Palestinian retail and commercial activity hid an extensive warren of Hamas tunnels used by the terror group's top officials to hide from Israel. Now, I've always imagined the tunnels as the subterranean warren, that word exactly. And in the video that you embedded in your story, it's really, frankly, jaw-dropping. And you see this playing out with this camera going down into the tunnels, down, 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 into this underground terrace city. So what were you able to see when you were there? When I was there, um, we were able to see the entrances, the tunnel shafts themselves, and uh, I could peer a little bit inside uh, and other areas that they that the army had dug up of this tunnel network. Um, we weren't allowed to take photos. We only were able to use the army's footage because uh, the tunnels uh, we were near, um, the army was still operating in them, uh, inside of them. I mean, uh, the army was still there. So uh, there's a sensitive equipment and soldiers who are operating there and they didn't want to reveal uh, that sort of thing uh, to the public. Uh, but we were able to see how uh, the army was, was operating in these tunnels and if, if I could describe the, this network in in the um, Palestine Square area, I would say it's just very impressive. It's really a, a massive network of tunnels. It connects between um, various offices and homes and hideout apartments 
belonging to all of Hamas's top officials, including uh, Mohammed Def, the commander of the uh, Hamas's military wing, uh, Yahya Sinwar, the uh, Hamas's uh, leader in Gaza, and even assets and apartments and offices owned by uh, Ismail Haniya, who uh, lives in Qatar. His uh, daughter has an apartment just by this square as well, and there's a tunnel uh, beneath the building leading to this underground network. This network, they all connect to each other in this area, and there's meeting rooms underground. Um, but it also uh, goes further, and uh, it is believed that this tunnel network, although some of it was blocked and the army was unable to access, but it is believed to connect to the other tunnels that they found in Gaza City, including the uh, tunnels that they found uh, under the Shifa Hospital and near the Rantisi Hospital as well. Um, and uh, it is believed that on October 7th, when Hamas carried out the attack, um, the the uh, the senior Hamas officials um, hid underground uh, and were able to move around in Gaza City uh, during the during the first days of the fighting. And then once the army uh, launched its ground offensive against Hamas, um, these top these top Hamas officials then um, moved to other areas of Gaza using the tunnels. They um, went from their tunnels under their office, for example. They went to the Shifa hospital. Then from there, they got into an ambulance and then uh, fled to southern Gaza. Or uh, That's just an example, not exactly what happened. But um, the army believes that, that the top Hamas officials used this major network to be able to hide and flee from Israel. Um, and uh, what's very interesting is when we were there, the, the commander of the 401st Brigade, uh, said something interesting. He said that um, these tunnels were not for Hamas uh, fighters. They weren't for the terrorists. They weren't for the civilians. They were only for the top, um, for the top Hamas officials. Uh, and in some cases, the um, the tunnels, um, the the Hamas uh, soldiers or the the terrorists didn't even know about them. Uh, we're talking about personal tunnels that were hidden inside their homes. So it's unlikely that. Um, other Hamas members knew of them, uh, and they were very well camouflaged as well. Um, the tunnel that was discovered in a, an, an apartment um, belonging to Muhammad Def was very well camouflaged, uh, according to the army, and it this tunnel had an elevator. Uh, Muhammad Def is believed to be wounded after several attempts on his life, uh, believed to be using a wheelchair some of the time, and this tunnel had an elevator uh, going down, and then from there, uh, after it goes down 20 meters, it went down another 20 meters into this vast network underground. So very deep underground, uh, where he was believed uh, believed to be hiding on, uh, on October 7th. This just makes the tragedy of the poverty in Gaza so much more clear because you're talking about personal tunnels for the leadership of Hamas when the people of Gaza were really poverty struck and of course now are facing a massive rebuild of their of their homes, etc. It's just so tragic to hear this to me. I agree. And it's it's not just the fact that they built themselves uh, shelters. Also, we should mention that the cost of carrying out this sort of construction is is massive. I mean, it's millions and millions of dollars on the on the concrete and the um, digging uh, machines and and all the other materials that they need. These tunnels are not just tunnels; they have communication lines, they have water and electricity. The electricity for these tunnels, uh, for example, the they were powered by solar panels on all the nearby buildings, and Hamas was siphoning it off 
from the residents who lived in the area and from the businesses in the area, they were siphoning off the electricity uh, from their solar panels. Um, and they would be able to stay in these tunnels for months, even if the the main grid was shut off, which Israel did. We saw another tunnel as well uh, last week that the army announced, which was uh, was uh, wide enough for vehicles to, to pass through. Just massive uh, construction work, which would have cost a lot of money which could have been used uh, to better the population uh, of Gaza. Let's talk about what's happening in the north. We discussed a couple of days ago that things are really quite serious up there. And has anything changed or escalated in the past couple of days? We've seen uh, some escalation uh, on on the uh, northern border. Uh, Hezbollah last night fired a barrage of rockets at Kiryat Shmona. Generally, uh, Hezbollah does not fire rockets at Israeli towns. It it says it targets uh, army bases on the border, uh, military posts and what it believes to be Israeli soldiers, although sometimes that is not the case and it does target civilians. But it did fire a barrage of rockets at Kiryat Shmona and claimed responsibility for it. Uh, and that was in response to other Israeli strikes uh, that came earlier, which was, of course, in response to another uh, another attack on the border. And it's just been going back and forth for essentially since the beginning of the war. There were no injuries in Kiryashmona. There was uh, some damage that was caused uh, after some of the rockets landed inside the city. And uh, the army has been carrying out, uh, I would say, significant strikes against Hezbollah. Obviously, they're uh, keeping it uh, sort of at a level where it won't escalate into a full-on war. But the army's strikes have been significant. They're targeting uh, Hezbollah command centers and weapons depots and the rocket launching sites. On uh, Wednesday, there was even a preemptive strike against Hezbollah sites uh, in the morning before Hezbollah carried out its first strike of the day, which was unusual, but uh, not entirely unheard of. And uh, Hezbollah at the same time has named um, more than, I think, 120 members at this stage who have been killed in Israeli strikes uh, since the beginning of the war. Uh, and there are also some civilians in Lebanon who have also been killed uh, in the strikes. Um, and this has been going on basically every day. Um, but at the same time, Israeli officials have vowed, uh, including Defense Minister Gallant and the chief of the army, Halevi, um, they have vowed that um, eventually this will not uh, this this it will not be the same anymore. That there will be a solution to this either diplomatically with Hezbollah being moved back to uh, over the Litani River, uh, according to the um, UN's uh, resolution from 2006, uh, or the army will have to um, uh, carry out uh, an offensive against Hezbollah to push them back uh, by force. Um, but as of now, the army still says it's focused on Gaza and it doesn't want to have to fight on two fronts. Um, so we'll, we'll need to, uh, to wait for that. It feels like a very difficult balance to maintain, to retaliate, but not to go too far so that the Hezbollah armory is unleashed on Israel. Is there some kind of calculation? Is there some kind of known formula for this? For sure, the, the army is uh, calculating this. I would say that if there's a, uh, a threat, if there's a Hezbollah cell on the border, there's no question they're going to, they're going to uh, open fire and, and strike and kill that cell uh, who are preparing an attack. If an attack is carried out, they'll strike the cell that carried out the attack. Um, but the army's um, bombings of Hezbollah sites have been r- mostly focused on the border area, not more than a few kilometers. We saw um, 
uh, last night that there was a, a, a strike slightly further around 20 kilometers into Lebanon. And the assets that they're targeting are uh, moderate to, to uh, serious uh, sort of uh, sites that are important to Hezbollah, but nothing that will take it too far. Um, Israel's not going for senior Hezbollah commanders, for instance. They're not um, they're not targeting um, their top leaders or top commanders, and that's something which would definitely um, cause Hezbollah to respond. But targeting their their fighters who are carrying out the attacks on the border and targeting uh, weapon storage sites or command centers that are being used in the attacks um, is so, sort of a, a fair a fair game there uh, for Hezbollah and, and on its side as, as well. It's not escalating further than it already is. I mean, it is still carrying out daily attacks with missiles, rockets, uh, explosive drones in some cases as well, which have led to deaths on the Israeli side. And if we weren't in the middle of the war in Gaza, um, Israel would definitely be fighting a war in Lebanon right now. Let's turn to the military investigation into the accidental killing of the three escaped hostages in the Gaza Strip on Friday. The IDF has found that the captives actually succeeded in recording themselves on a camera that was attached to a dog that entered the building in which they were hiding, apparently. But the recording didn't make it to intelligence in time. What what happened here? What happened was on December 10th, uh, troops of the uh, Golani Brigade's reconnaissance unit uh, were operating in uh, the Shajaiya area, uh, and they encountered um, a group of Hamas operatives uh, who had opened fire at them. Uh, the Golani soldiers fought back, um, and uh, during this battle with these these Hamas gunmen, uh, a dog from the Oketz canine unit uh, was sent into the building where the Hamas uh, where the Hamas gunmen were. Uh, during this battle. Uh, the dog um, that entered the building was killed, um, and the soldiers were then able to kill the the Hamas members. Um, it was unknown to them at the time that that the Hamas members they had just killed, and the building that the dog had entered was where those three hostages were being kept. Um, the dog that was killed, the soldiers didn't enter to retrieve it initially because they believed that the building was booby-trapped by Hamas. They had no reason to go inside after they had killed them. But what had happened was, um, after these these Hamas gunmen were killed, the three hostages were actually able to, to escape um, because they were no longer being held. Um, and what happened was, this dog... Uh, actually recorded just the voice um, coming from another room uh, of the building uh, of one of the hostages calling for help and saying that hostages were there. Um, he even said his name, um, but they weren't seen in the footage and obviously the, the dog was just left there. There was no live uh, video feed. The soldiers of the Golani soldiers moved on to another building and continued their operations. They did not search the building further. Um, and then what we know later was five days later, these three hostages um, were able to escape and move around. This was a, around a kilometre away from, from where they were eventually killed by the army, uh, mistakenly. And then the army uh, began investigating now the whole area of where this incident took place. They found, um, as we mentioned on the podcast, the signs on another building saying uh, SOS and help. Um um, written uh, on these uh, uh, pieces of cloth. 
Um, and then they went back to this other building um, just a couple days ago. And then they found the, the body of the dog still there. And they retrieved the camera from the dog. And they went to review the footage. And then that's when they heard the, the three hostages calling for help. Um, so again, we're seeing that um, this, this incident could have ended in, in such a different way. Uh, if these soldiers in the first case had um, had actually gone back in to retrieve the, the dog initially or even searched the building a bit further, uh, they could have rescued the hostages who were being held there. But unfortunately, as we know now, that um, the soldiers moved on, the footage was not reviewed initially, um, and uh, you know several other stages where the, the hostages could have been rescued. The building that was found with the signs... And uh, and also the moment when they were killed, where the hostages were actually shirtless and carrying a white flag, uh, and calling for help as well. So um, really, just uh, very tragic. And the army says that, that this whole investigation, when they complete it, will uh, be presented to the families, including the footage retrieved from the dog. One of the mothers of a killed hostage, Iris Chaim, whose son Yotam was shot dead in error by the IDF recorded a message on Wednesday for the soldiers who killed him, telling them that she and her family love them and don't blame them for his death. I find this just so moving and astounding, Manny. It's very, it's very touching, and, and uh, I find it very hard to understand, but I, at the same time, I also do. Um, uh, she said in the message that um, it's absolutely not their fault and only... Hamas's fault, and and uh, I think that's I mean that's completely true. Um, the the three hostages, including Yotam, were uh, abducted by Hamas on October seventh. Uh, they would never have been in that situation if it wasn't for Hamas taking them hostage. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's very difficult to to say that these soldiers had uh, had no um, no part in obviously in in killing them in error. But the mother is saying that. Um, to the soldiers that she really does not blame them and that she understands what happened in the situation. She said that uh, she told the soldiers, don't think that you killed the hostage deliberately. Uh, you have to look after yourself because that's the only way you can look after us. And that is a very, a very strong message uh, to say to the soldiers. And uh, we know that these soldiers are now receiving care. Uh, the ones that mistakenly killed the hostages. And it's just overall a very difficult and very tragic incident that could have ended so much differently. Manny, thank you so much for all of your updates today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Please check out another episode tomorrow. This installment was produced by The Pod Waves. If you have a question or a comment about this or any other episode, please drop us an email at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, shalom. <laughs>